Welcome to the first episode of Third and Wine. We're going to relive the Super Bowl, go back to the 2022 seasons of the Eagles and the Chiefs. Got to pin up some fans there. Now we're just talking about general happenings around the NFL right now. So listen, it's football, it's wine, it's all the time. This is Third and Wine. Welcome to Third and Wine. This is my first episode of this podcast, and I am so excited. I just want to thank everyone that is, you know, with me tonight during this live episode, but then also to everyone who listens and subscribes afterwards. Um, I had such a great run with the Real Football Fans of New Jersey, and I knew I did not want to stop, and I wanted to continue talking about all things football with, you know, the great connections that I've made over the last five and a half years. So this is the first episode of Third and Wine. It's football, it's wine, it's literally all the time. So I'm so excited to get this first episode kicked off. I have two amazing guests with me tonight to not only talk about everything that's going on in the NFL right now, but we're actually going to relive the Super Bowl. I know it it seems like ages ago, but we're still going to talk about it. I'm bringing in an Eagles fan, I'm bringing in a Chiefs fan, and I'm going to make the two of them relive the Super Bowl, relive the 2022 season. So With that being said, I'm bringing in my guests, and I want to thank the two of them so, so much. We've got Rex. We've got Chuck, also known as Good Luck Chuck. I think I was calling you Bad Luck Chuck for a little bit, but that might be your nickname as well. But we've got wine. We've got mixed drinks. We've got everything tonight, and I'm so excited to get this started. So Rex, Chuck, thank you both for joining me on the first episode of Third and Wine. I feel like the two of you should be honored that I asked you here, but I know the two of you are definitely honored for sure. So let's go ahead and, you know, make sure you get introduced to our audience. So Chuck, you have the most like incredible and funny story ever. So I need you to tell our audience that story and who exactly you are. Okay. All right. So I've been a longtime Chiefs fan all my life since basically I was five years old when I really got into football. So, you know, I've gone through the heartbreak as a Chiefs fan throughout the years, my younger days and all that good stuff. Um, when I was finally able to afford playoff games, you know, I started going to them. But beforehand, I remember I was I went to a watch party. We had played the Colts during wild card weekend, had a big lead, blew that game all of a sudden. And people put the loss on me because I showed it to the party last. I showed it to the party a little too late. Uh, after that, that's when I started going to playoff games. Uh, went to the Steelers game. They lost, uh, even though he's the only team to score touchdowns. Um, I went to the Titans wildcard game. We lost that. We blew that game somehow. And then we finally hosted the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. So I was like, yeah, I got to be there. It's the very first one at Arrowhead. Uh, we lost that one. So <laughs> the next year after that, I go to the Texas Divisional Round game. And I was like, I'm going to see these boys win this time. They're going to do it. I mean, I was confident because at first I wasn't going to go. And that's the week when I was like, man, F that. I'm going. I'm going. I'm finally going to see a win. 
And then when it got ugly early on, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to y'all this time because y'all told me in the past to leave before, leave the stadium. So I left when we was down 21 nothing. By the time I got home, the Chiefs finally scored. And then the rest was history. Like, they went on ahead and put, put a 50 ball on the Texans and won. And all of a sudden, my phone just blows up after I posted a video of me leaving Arrowhead Stadium. Tell everybody I'm being serious on this one. Um, you know, all kinds of people hit me up. You know, NFL Network, Good Morning America, Sports Center, uh, you name it. Even uh, Canadian news stations were hitting me up. Like, it got crazy. <laughs> so, like, after that, uh, I did those interviews. I got some perks from the Chiefs. Um, you know, the Chiefs cheerleaders, uh, a few people from the organization that work for the Chiefs, they came over to my house, hooked me up with some things. Um, you know, I got a, still got that signed flag from Sammy Watkins. Uh, you know, I got hooked up with a grill TV from Nebraska Furniture Mart. Um, so all, all kinds of stuff, man. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you know, um, it was, it was, the crazy part is that the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame Museum hit me up. I wasn't expecting that. And they wanted to do a bobblehead collaboration. And I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. So, yeah, the rest is history on that. I think out of all the people I've interviewed for just probably various projects, everything like that, the bobblehead thing is probably the most unique thing I've ever heard. So <laughs> that's incredible. I think your story is incredible. It really just kind of holds true that you are clearly a true diehard Chiefs fan. So I'm so excited that I'm finally to tap into you and all of your knowledge, even though everyone else, clearly all the, the, the big people on NFL Network, Good Morning America, already got to you. But I'm here now coming to get some some good stuff from you. So thank you for being with us on this episode. Rex, I'll now pass it over to you. I know you pretty well, and I know you don't have that same story. But if you could let our audience know who you are, what you do, things like that. Um, I guess I'm washed up and retired in the streaming space at this point because uh, Chuck's got his stuff going. You got yours with the debut, and I hit retirement back in December. But essentially still rolling with spaces. Just do uh, betting talk, mostly college hoops related. Essentially, just also Philly sports banter on Twitter. Other than that, used to do a YouTube daily show, but now the retired life is nice. I can't believe he got me out of it to talk about an L. But the rest of the season was great, other than that one game. Well, that's the thing. We might be talking about one giant L, but you did have some W's over the season for sure. So we will tap into them to make sure that you are a happy camper along this episode. But obviously, thank you so much for joining us as well. So let's go ahead and get to, you know, some quick, you know, hot topics we had around the NFL over the last couple of days. And I want to put a focus on quarterbacks. So Derek Carr, he's going to the Saints in a four-year deal, potentially worth $150 million. We actually don't really know yet because they are still under salary cap, so it's not fully official. But he is going there. He is a New Orleans Saint. Then we got Lamar Jackson. Baltimore put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, meaning teams can still go after him. So it is up in the air. Is he going to be a Baltimore Raven or is he not going to be? And then we have probably the biggest one of the week with Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones has agreed to a four-year deal worth $160 million. And uh, I mean, there's uh, three, $35 million in additional incentives, you know, $82 million over the first two years. And then the first year cap number, $19 million. There's a lot of numbers going around with that contract deal for there. So I want to talk about these three real quick with you. So for the Daniel Jones contract, I actually have... Um, a little bit more 
to ask you guys like two more detailed questions, but I just want to get your general thoughts, the two of you around Derek Carr going to the Saints and then Baltimore placing that non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson. Either the Lamar one's interesting yeah. because they're going to let the market basically dictate their, his price because the Ravens at the end of the day, everything I looked at it, regardless of what a team tries to offer them, sure, they only have to give up the two picks and pay them at the end of the day, and a lot of it's going to be the guaranteed money. I'm pretty sure the Ravens at the end of the day can match it. So I feel like, one, the Ravens should have paid him by now. That's a right. different question, and what they've done to him to set him up hasn't been the best. But at the second part, this is still like kicking him down the road again by saying we're letting the market see how much we're going to pay you rather than a good faith type of contract with the spoiler I'm going to get to later with the Eagles talk. But if I'm Lamar, I want to be out at this point. As simple as that. So I think uh, the destinations that he can go to probably aren't the best other than if he somehow makes it to Vegas. But I think that's too far out of the realm at this point. Okay, well, from what I've seen from the Lamar Jackson situation, it, it's clear collusion because, like, right when this news got announced of him taking the non-school franchise tag, all of a sudden these teams come out of the woodwork saying, no, we're not interest, interested. Yeah. Atlanta, the team that got the most cash space, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but they the team with the most cash space, and they came out the woodworks out right away saying, no, we're not interested. So I'm like, come on. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing all these other teams, Miami, you know, they want to stick with Tua. Okay, cool, but – Teams that that need a quarterback, they they not about to come out here and just not be interested like that. So mm-hmm. it's clearly some colluding going on with the owners and everything. Um, as far as Lamar goes, um, it's clear that you know the Ravens organization they playing hardball. They've been playing hardball with this guy for a long time. And hey, Lamar's been a guy that's been disrespected even before he got drafted. Like I remember mm-hmm. Bill Polian, he was the GM. I used the former GM with the coach at the time. He came out and said that Lamar should play wide receiver. That was disrespect right yeah. then and there, even though he won Heisman playing in a pro-style offense. So uh, this has just been an ongoing thing. And, you know, all these other false narratives going on saying, well, the Ravens, they ran, they built the offense around Lamar. I'm like, no, they really didn't. You know, Lamar had to work with scraps and he had to run with like a run-heavy, tight end-centric offense. So – um, and on top of that, just for him winning MVP off of that and just having the incredible, you know, win-loss record and the stats you done put up uh, playing that offense, like, it's remarkable in itself. Like, you've never seen an MVP candidate getting disrespected the way Lamar, Lamar's getting disrespected. And this is a guy that hasn't been in trouble off the field at all. Yeah. So um, I think I think at the end of the day, you know, Lamar's got to come back to the Ravens, and essentially I think the Ravens going to make him settle for that that not exclusive tag and honestly i think lamar should sit out at this point you know i, I, I think know the jets should just throw everything at them at this point given what their fans are saying where they're at they should but it seems like they're more interested in aaron Rodgers. so yeah yeah but for me lamar jackson's the smarter option there you're going to get aaron Rodgers, and maybe you guys make it to the playoffs as jets and i don't think he'll take them to the super bowl but Say that happens, things like that. He's going to retire next year anyway. So the Jets probably have the worst situation right now when it comes to quarterbacks, but they could potentially tap Lamar and make that situation much, much better. Um, Chuck, I think you got a great point of him being literally disrespected since the draft. That draft was so interesting. So you look 
literally at guys like Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, who were these guys that were the top guys? And now we're looking at Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. These are the guys that we're looking at. And I think with Lamar, unfortunately, like I've said this, you know, on my previous podcast and even just on Twitter, like he can't do it himself. Like he's a tremendous quarterback, but you've seen what's happened to the Ravens, you know, the past couple of seasons with injuries, not having a lot of people around him. And he tries so hard to run the ball, to literally take that team to victory. And sometimes it's just not working for him by himself. So I don't understand why the Ravens have not seen that. I thought this non-exclusive tag was way out of left field for me. I did not think that was going to happen. And truly, I just think they're disrespecting him at this point, as you said. Yeah, and I want to say this real quick. Um, a lot of people say that, you know, the Browns have ruined, have, made, have ruined all this. I'm like, look, you know how I many quarterbacks the Browns have gone through in, like, the past two decades or It's something? like it's, 25. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're desperate to win. They want to win. And before Deshaun had the allegations, he was one of the top five quarterbacks of the league, basically working with damn near nothing. What do you only have? DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt on the defensive side of the ball, and he was putting up – these amazing numbers, production, trying to win games for the Texans, but the Texans just weren't built enough to win. So, yeah, they didn't make a mistake. They didn't make a mistake. They trying to win. They tired of losing. So, do either of you have any thoughts on Derek Carr? I personally think that this was probably a really good decision by the Saints. Um, I actually wasn't really thinking of them at first, and then I, for me, I think it makes it makes total sense. I'm not. I'm not sold on it. I think he's on the wrong way down. As someone who thought Devontae well, Adams, down. I think, to a piece, <laughs> carried him to as good of a season that he had last year. And sure, he, he doesn't have a similar wide receiver there, but Jacobs had his best season. So it's a lot more there for him not to screw up. And when he does throw those red zone interceptions and make those crucial mistakes at the end of the game, that's where I think it's going to cost him. And secondly, I think – the Saints need to fo not focus on their defense. That's what's been carrying them. And then getting to a point later on the show, paying the QB that much, that just took so much out of their uh, cap space that they're always strapped for. They always feel like they're the least one in it. I don't know how they keep getting under it every season, but yeah. shop the stopgap answer, I don't think it's going to bring them much. But that conference sucks, so at least you get the playoffs. Yeah, that NFC South is pretty dreadful at the moment. Um, the, I mean, Derek Carr, he's not really going to move the needle like that. Maybe the Saints make a playoff appearance, but I, to me, I feel like the Saints need a better coach. I feel like Dennis Allen is just only a good coordinator. He's not head coach material. Um, Derek Carr, as far as he goes, I mean, every, people. some people have said Derek Carr didn't have, like, enough weapons, but this dude had Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, you know, we barely saw him last year. And then we had, had Devontae Adams. Like, this dude's had plenty of guys to work with, and he hasn't really carried on to that ceiling. Like, the year before, the Raiders made the playoffs last year, and I feel like they should have won that game. You know, there's some little controversy with that game against the Bengals. But at the end of the day, Derek Carr is not a guy that's going to get you to the next level, in my opinion. I think I think the Saints, they just – they just at, at best, they're going to be a barely fire the team if they – Mm -hmm. Barely overfired the team if they build it right. So uh, it's, it don't move the needle for me. 
Makes sense. So I do just quickly want to remind everyone who's watching live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, if you guys have any question for Rex or Chuck, please go ahead and pop them in and I will get them over to these two as I see fit or just general commentary. We love to banter with you guys throughout the episode. All right. But I do have two specific questions for the two of you in regards to the Daniel Jones contract. So with that in mind, I read off the specifics earlier. So it's a a long-term big money contract for a quarterback. Um, So Chuck, my question to you is like, how do you, what do you think the impact of Patrick Mahomes is, you know, massive quarter uh, uh, contract, excuse me, that you gave him a couple seasons back, you know, he won a Super Bowl for you and you guys are like, we're locked in. And I totally respect that. Um, so kind of what do you think that the the contract will have the impact on like, let's look at already. Let's look at Tyree Kill, not on your team anymore. It's most likely Frank Clark is going to be released because they are not meeting uh, negotiations right there. And then think of guys like Travis Kelsey in the future, who's going to need a big contract. What are your thoughts there on that? It's it's the, the impact is going to come from the big money towards Patrick Mahomes. So how are you feeling about that? Yeah, first off, uh, Frank Clark, he's he's not going to be back because the Chiefs, they I, did a they did a tribute to him yesterday. So yeah, Brett Beach and Andy Reid already said that you know it's likely that Frank Clark not going to be back. So we thank him for the four years he provided yeah. for us here and helping us win two Super Bowls. So I just want to address that real quick. Of course. But as far as Patrick Mahomes is concerned, uh, the Chiefs, they were very smart to get right in front of that after we won the first Super Bowl. They realized quickly, like, look, this guy's value is about to rocket. Like, he's he's that guy right now. So we better try to work something out right now and get in front of this thing. Because really, if you want to talk about fully guaranteed contracts, Patrick Mahomes, he's worth damn near half a billion yep. with the way he's been playing. So uh, right now, the Chiefs, they're looking pretty good as far as, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes' contract being team friendly, and they and they've been working they've been working around his contract before, like pushing his money towards the back end as the years go by. So I mean, I know we got at least maybe two or three more years of that. Um, so and like Travis Kelsey, um, at this point, you know, I think we're gonna we we gonna try to keep him around and, and have him be a chief forever. But um, I I think he has like about maybe three more good years left in them before we'd be like, okay, uh, it's starting to wind down. So I think at this point, the Chiefs, whether it's this draft or these next few drafts, you got to start looking at a replacement for Travis Kelsey, even though he is still playing at a high level right now. All right. All right. So Rex, so Jalen Hurts is no doubt we're going to have contract conversations coming right up here. Um, are you concerned with Daniel Jones's contract being so high and what positions players are you most concerned about with this impacting? So obviously with Daniel Jones at 40 million, Jalen Hurts is clearly worth more than that with the season that you had just had. So are you concerned with it skyrocketing well above 40 mil? And then again, the impact, like what do you think is the biggest risk like players and position wise? It'll probably be 50 mil at the end of the day for about six years is probably what it'll come down to. And it just sucks where got out of the Wentz massive deal. And that's where spoiler to one of the things from the Super Bowl is when you pay your quarterback 20% of the salary and then you have three guys take up 35%, you can't miss on draft picks or you have to make those trades that come in for free where you're trading a future draft pick and you're winning on all of the rookie contract deals that are carrying you there. 
So that's where I'm not saying the Eagles missed the potential window, but how hard it is to get back to the Super Bowl other than if you're the Chiefs, it's been <laughs> impossible because you pay the players like that. Hargrave is gone. Gardner Johnson is gone because of that. And then probably potential other players or other signings that they have to make where now the two first round picks in the draft, they can't miss with the Hertz contract coming up because the two guys we took in the first round last year, first and second round, I don't think they showed up too much. So that's where at this point, the line's going to be down because Salem Alu's going to be do a contract. So he might be the biggest one is where our offensive line who protects Jalen Hertz is probably going to take the biggest hit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, quick shout out here to from Kevin C. He misses you, Rex, but he's happy to see you're <laughs> holding it down for Philly. And congrats on the new show. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that as always. And thank you to everyone who's watching live right now. We've got a great audience tuning in. Hope we're delivering the best of the best football content current day. So, all right, let's go ahead and relive the Super Bowl. Rex, sorry about that. Chuck? Happy for you that you won. Congratulations, by the way. I'm very happy that you won. Was big Kansas City Chiefs fan that day. So <laughs> let's go ahead and relive the Super Bowl. I just want to get the three top takeaways that the two of you had for, you know, the game itself, your respective team and things like that. So, Chuck, I'll start with you. Your three takeaways from the Super Bowl. Man. First, first takeaway is the coaching staff. Like, the coaching staff, they really did a hell of a job. Like, even though we was down at halftime, I told everybody, I was like, look, we was down at Super Bowl before we won. And and, was, and the best part about me mentioning the coaching staff is that they saw what the Jaguars did to the Eagles in a regular season game, and they used it in the bowl. Like, the Eagles hadn't seen that look in a while. And, you know, the coaching staff did a great job of, you know, keeping, like, the Eagles secondary having a hard time with motion. So, you know, both of the touchdowns at the end in, the, in that fourth quarter, you saw where we ran corn dog on both sides of the formation. And like, and, it's, and the crazy part is that the second time we did it, somebody was lined up wrong on that and we still scored off of that. So, you know, with Tony winning motion, uh, Slay panicked, you know, I thought it was going to be something else. That was going to be like a crossover in the middle or something, but nope. Tony ran back up, back outside, and he was wide open. And then the same thing occurred with Sky Moore on the other side when he scored. So uh, that's that's my first takeaway to Cody Staff in general. Uh, the second takeaway is, man, um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and this is gonna throw Patrick out the way while I'm thinking of the third one. Patrick Mahomes, like that guy is tough. That guy is a warrior, and. And what's incredible is the Eagles, they had the ball for like 14 minutes basically in that second quarter on offense because we scored on defense and the defense had to go right back out there to try to stop the Eagles. But, you know, it's a tough task. The Eagles offense is is great. They've been putting Mm -hmm. up points all season long. And they put up long methodical drives and they were scoring like crazy. You know, you couldn't stop the quarterback sneak of Jalen Hurts. So um, just to overcome that, you know, him coming through like that in the second half, uh, it's just just remarkable and just goes to the show. It just goes to show why he is the top dog of the league right now. Um, my my third takeaway of this game is so man, probably uh, probably just making them keys, probably just get making them key styles on defense, man. Because like I'm, I'm gonna say Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton had himself a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I mentioned, he had that phone recovery for a touchdown. Uh, but on top of that, you saw him making all kinds of tackles out there, you know, just trying yeah. to do everything to slow down the 
the Eagles offense. And we did just enough. You know, the one turnover was a difference in the game. And, and like, in the second half, when we had scored coming out the gate in the third quarter, we scored a touchdown, holding them to that three was very key uh, because it kind of helped us get some – it kind of helped us keep the momentum a little bit. And, you know, the offense went back out there and scored and went up ahead 28-27. I was like, all right, I think we can still win this game. So that's my three takeaways. Yeah. And they're really awesome, too. I think, you know, the obviously calling out this coaching staff, you know, you've got Andy Reid. You've got guys like Steve Spagnola. I, I absolutely love your coaching staff. And I think it just it shows across the board from the entire season, from game one, literally down into the Super Bowl, that you're making strategic decisions. You're not – you know, you're not 19 and uh, it's, you are losing games, but then you lose a game and you can see the transformation immediately after the chiefs lose a game, you are adapting to it. You're understanding why you lost. You're looking like you had just said, looking Jacksonville against the Eagles and adapting your gameplay to it. And I think that's absolutely just incredible and so smart. And I really do like getting to watch them work weekend after weekend during the season, of course, and then watching them, on the big stage during the Super Bowl and just seeing how strategic they get for just every granular thing is, is really awesome. And then your other call out too, with your defense going up a very exhausting Eagles offense. Um, you know, the play you bring up with your defense scoring and then going right out and having to face that offense again, for me, that sounds horrifying because you're you want to stop them, but then you want to just, you know, get your offense back on the field. You stop them get a score and you're like, yes, but no, because now we have to go after them again. But I do think right. you obviously held your own, obviously coming out after halftime and, you know, making a, a couple other defensive plays and pushing your team, you know, down the field. So I think those are really three great call outs. And must I say, you know, before we get over to Rex and the Eagles for this game, it, it really was a Super Bowl that the people wanted, you know, obviously I didn't want the Eagles there, but it was such a good football game that, Sometimes when you get to the Super Bowl, it's wild that the games suck sometimes. They really do. And this was a really good Super Bowl from start to finish. So as just a general football fan, I was pleased. The fact that the Chiefs won at the end of the day, even more pleased about that. But really awesome takeaways there. So Rex, let's transfer it over to you with the Eagles. Kind of what were your takeaways from this game? It sucks when I guess they initiated the game plan because when you lose the toss, you got to think about the eight minute gap, the final four of the first half, the first four of the second half. And when the Eagles scored the 10 points recovering after that fumble, where the chiefs after that basically scored on every drive. So that's neither here nor there, but you win those four minutes going into halftime. That's what got me feeling maybe a little bit too confident into the game because you completely took away the one advantage of them receiving the second half, second off kick. Then when he throws one incompletion and they score in every single drive, you just throw that all out the window. So that was basically my big first takeaway. The second one is if he doesn't hold them, is that a touchdown? Because he's going to be dead ass open. <laughs> like it's not even a question. So um, that was one of the biggest things I take away. A lot of people were bitching about it. I mean, you lost the fumble, you gave up the kick return or the punt return. So you gave up two of the big crucial plays that change a game where if you go toe to toe for it, when you come off the wrong side of both of those, it's pretty tough to come out of it. And I think he scores off a touchdown if he doesn't hold them. And then the third one is um, 
Jalen's composure after the game, Jalen's composure the whole season. Anytime he says a word, he could have me run through a brick wall or jump off a bridge or do anything for him just because after the game and after every single game, and you just saw it on off this past off season to this season where the Tampa Bay game, he showed all his shortcomings. He made it better. He's just someone who keeps going up and up. So that's where um, his composure. And I felt like he had an impact on what Brad Barry said, what Sirianni ended up acting was. Cause I feel like he's literally the owner of the Eagles at this point, given how much impact he has to everybody in that locker room. Hey, Rex, I'm going to ask you this real quick, man. So on that hold on Brad Barry, would you rather Brad Barry just got beat right there and let Hurst have the ball yeah. last? Yeah. Cause then you so much more time because you guys just kneeled, which was exactly what you yeah. do. Like mm-hmm. it's almost how far out, maybe not to a point, but still that's revisionist history. Maybe you just let him go. Maybe he's overthrown a little bit, but I think he's walking into the end zone. If he's not smart enough of taking a kneel at the end line too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jared McKinnon, shout out to that guy, man. He, let see, look, the stat sheet, you know, the stats may not look that impressive in the playoffs, but you got to look at the little things he did. And I wish that would have been one of my takeaways, but, you know, it's so many of them. But, like, the dude, he he was so good at pass protection. And that play right there, dog, just to, just to have the unselfishness right there because I was thinking, like, man, I know it had to be tougher to take that knee because, you know, scoring in the Super Bowl would have been great on the resume, but – you know, he got interviewed a few times about it. He was like, man, so I'm not even tripping about that. You know, I know I'm getting a ring at the end of the day. So, Yeah, Rex, I must agree with you on Jalen Hurts. Um, obviously, I am a Bama girl, uh, so I've known Jalen since the start of his, his run in football. Um, you know, this kid has the most composure I've probably ever seen um, in, an, in an NFL player, and he's still so early in his career. We're talking about a kid who was benched during a national championship game at Alabama by Nick Saban for his successor to Otunga Valoa. The kid is just, I don't even know like the right words to say. Like he, he gets it at the end of the day. He is a football guy and he is going to lead his team towards success. He's going to own when he is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's also going to own too when the people around him aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, but not own in a negative way by point someone out and throw them under the bus. Own as in he's the leader and he's going to bring you together to take you to the next level and fix every single point on the field until you are the team that will win a Super Bowl. So that is going to be a huge driving factor for the Eagles this next season is that you got as far as you did and you were that top team coming through the entire NFL this season, but you just didn't get that last thing. And that's going to be on Jalen Hurts' mind for the rest of his career in Philadelphia. And I know he will be your quarterback for the time being. And it sucks if one day, you know, he goes somewhere else because I wouldn't want to lose him. And I know your organization does not want to either. So really awesome takeaways there, but let's not forget that the two of you both, you know, had great regular seasons as well because you clearly got to the end game. You got to the Super Bowl. So let's recap your 2022 seasons. Rex, I actually will come back and start with you here first. You're, so what are your three just kind of takeaways, call-outs for your 2022 season, which, you know, were a lot happier times for you than the Super Bowl? 
Has a team ever been so good at one play that they changed the rules in the offseason about it <laughs> with the QB sneak? I don't think they're doing anything wrong with it. When your quarterback squats <laughs> 600 pounds I, and you have Kelsey and how big the rest of that line is, I mean, we're just – I was talking about mental game with Jalen, not his strength, his physical game, because clearly he's a monster there too. <laughs> But that's my thing is I don't know if they've ever – they've changed rules about fumbles in the snow and other things like that, but they never changed like a formation or anything like that in my opinion. So that – doing the sneak is just his pure skill and then Kelsey's knowledge on the line in my opinion because they got two yards whenever they need it and they did it, what, five times in the Super Bowl too? Yeah. Um, second one – Dean and Davis, the two Georgia guys that we drafted, those two are going to have to have the biggest step-ups after, I think, very mediocre seasons. Everyone thought Davis did a good job. Um, Fletcher Cox kind of came back to life, but when you have Brandon Graham, who was one comeback player of the year, and you get someone like Hassan Reddick on the outside, regardless on the rest of that defensive line, it makes your nose tackle a little bit more easy to get to the quarterback when he's not getting doubled or a guy and a half each time. So with the Cox deal, they talked about cutting him. He's only 2.5 mil the next few years. I doubt they do that. But Dean and Davis are going to have to build off of uh, years because Dean barely saw the field unless we're up by 14 plus points. I think he has a lot of potential, but he was drafted as a project player. Need to see him take a huge step afterwards. And then the third one, um, I was happy with how he's off-season moves clearly you couldn't be with what he did aj brown's contract gets huge after this but uh getting gardner johnson for a fifth and sixth round pick uh now that we don't have him in the draft you do that type of move when he saw what type of roster we yeah. had and he was a key piece that took us deep into it now losing the cornerback and him bradbury and him is going to be tough but making those two type of moves are the moves you want your gm to make when he knows you're a few pieces away and the three pieces he brought in basically got us there. Yep, it's a great point. And I think a lot of teams obviously aren't at the two of your guys' caliber right now, but there are a lot of teams on the cusp of filling in maybe five missing pieces or a couple different pieces. So a lot of teams right now are very much focused in on their general managers and the moves they're going to make in this offseason and also going into the draft um, and free agency and things like that. So I think that's a good point to end on for sure. Chuck, what are your takeaways from the 2022 season? All right. First of all, my first takeaway is this. I'm just, I'm just glad that we shut all these doubters of man like all these media pundits just saying all this nonsense before the season <laughs> come out um and it was after the tyree kill trade too like oh the chiefs you know they they might lose the division this time it's gonna be it's really gonna be the Chargers' time for real this time you know the chiefs might actually that was last. that was me sorry about that <laughs> uh, i picked the chargers like to win the super bowl so i'm already out of here <laughs> You, you, you should know One and only. Caitlin. You should know better than to fall for that, Caitlin. You know how many times the Chargers have been picked to win the AFC West now? It's been, it feels like it's been a decade in a row now. I actually don't <laughs> think. I think I picked you guys to win the the con, but I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Not good. Not jeez, good. Jeez. <laughs> But but yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm, that's my first takeaway. Like we was able to do it without one of the most explosive players in the NFL, yeah. and we shot these doubters up saying that we couldn't do it. So that's my first takeaway. Uh, the second takeaway is Brett Beach, man. Brett Beach basically hit for the cycle with this rookie class. Like everybody in this rookie class 
made an impact in some type of way, except for one player. That one player is on the offensive line. Uh, he's still developing. He's like a project right now. So mm-hmm. we'll see how he turns out. But Isaiah Pacheco, he's he's arguably like the biggest steal of the draft. Uh, seventh round. Uh, this guy, like, if he had played like a full season, because like we compiled regular season stats and the playoff stats, I mean, it's over a thousand yards. So just imagine what he's gonna do next season when he finally gets the full workload because he actually had the weight and you know earn his strike. Or starting job until week nine, essentially. So, um, and then. And then, like, you know, you got guys like Sky Moore chipping in and George Karloftis. He's going to be the guy now on the defensive line since Frank Clark is, is gone. And I feel like he's going to be even better because, like, he came along in the second half of the year. And then, you know, we got Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie, I feel like he's going to be one of the best corners in the league. Like, because in that small sample size, he, he played pretty well. You didn't really see many uh, big mistakes with him. So, uh, next year, you know, he stays healthy, get a full season under his belt. You get to see what else he's going to do. Um, and then like the third takeaway is Andy Reid. Like you can't talk bad on Andy Reid anymore. Is that like, it? That's say, the takeaway, Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you can't you can't say he can't win the big game no more. He got two under his belt now, and and throughout the years it just goes to show it just adds on to his legacy. Like the guy has always been able to win ten plus games a season. Like and that's very hard to do. Like very few coaches are able to do that year in and year out. He just couldn't get over the hump for a long time, you know, when he was in Philly. And then Kansas City, um, it took him a little bit, uh, but he's finally he finally got that quarterback. He's got a good coaching staff. He's got the players, and they finally getting it done. So that's my three takeaways from the season. I love Andy Reid, honestly. He's like one of my favorite coaches, but it makes me laugh because I, I hated him in Philly, obviously. But now I'm like, oh, great coach, great coach. Um, I, I really do. <laughs> I love your one takeaway, though, of your your young guys right now and the impact, you know, last season. Um, you know, for such a powerful organization that you have, the fact that your general manager and your other management are still making moves in the draft and free agency and things like that and still building on a team, like there is never a perfect team in the NFL. So I have to give props to the Chiefs because you have such a strength uh, in your roster, but you're still building on it. And you just named X amount of people that were made an impact year one, coming into years two, year three, going to make an impact again. So just good for you guys and good for your management. I'd be thrilled as a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs to, to see that in my organization. All right, so we are going to do a segment now on the podcast, and it is called Wine It Out. So this is your time to complain about anything and get that wine glass, Chuck. Get your mixed drink, Chris, because I know it wrecks you because you're not drinking out wine right now. But it's your time to wine it out. Complain about anything that you want to. I mean, if you want to stray away from football, that's fine, too. This is your time to to wine it out. So, Chuck, I'll let you go first. Wine it out. All right. All right. Let's see if I come up with something here. All right. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm. A, I guess I'm gonna stray away from football here since you. Since it's like all things go here. Okay. So, my biggest my biggest wine right now is the NBA. <laughs> like I don't know what the hell we doing with the NBA right now, man. Like the product is just is just right now. <laughs> like it's got a little better after the All Star break, but that All Star game we watched a few weeks ago, 
that's the worst all-star game I've ever seen in my life, man. You got cats staying around like it's uh like it's practice or like, you know, just watching Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go one on one for possessions back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, it's like what the hell is this, man? Like these dudes ain't got no pride these days, man. I remember like <laughs> back in the eighties and the nineties, like these cats play for pride. They ain't even care about you know, how much he got paid and whatnot. It's like, look, I'm the best. You know what I mean? I'm trying to beat you out there. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't go hard like they was in the playoffs and stuff, but they went hard enough to where, like, it was a competitive game and it was believable. And guys still got to do their little tricks and stuff with the ball and whatnot and got to do little dunks on the fast break and whatnot. But, yeah, the NBA product overall is just it's garbage right now. That's That's my biggest one right now. And I know many people are whining it out with you there. I am not an NBA fan at all. Um, I know Rex is, so I do hear the complaints on a daily basis as well. Um, but I've just seen it across Twitter. I have friends who are into and it's just, it's the same thing I'm hearing across the board. So hopefully they fix it. Maybe some big person in the NBA is watching or listening right now and maybe fix that. So Good wine it out. That's why we have wine, though, to get rid of all these complaints and to be a little bit happier. So, Rex, what is your wine it out? What are you complaining about tonight? That Andy was able to do it with the Chiefs against us for a second time, and the first one just wasn't a fluke when he has that much talent and has the quarterback and basically took the Eagles teams that he had from 2000 to 2008 and just has them on steroids at this point. Um, Chuck was finally got to be right after 18 straight weeks of saying Sky Moore anytime touchdown plus 600. Um, only went down Chill three out. units to in that strategy after a while because his first one came in the Super Bowl. And I'm not gonna lie, once he scored, I thought he was finally right. Um, and essentially, going to it with the Eagles going to have to pay hurts they're gonna have to nail as many good moves in the draft when the, your quarterback gets that type of contract so it's kind of me being nervous now that the eagles potentially missed the window maybe uh, he doesn't get the contract this offseason and he stays on what his four million dollar contract but i doubt he plays one more at that level unless they have a off the table deal saying it's going to be huge after the next season. But if I'm Jalen, I'm not doing that. So that's where I don't think he gets a contract done this off season. Maybe he does, but we'll have to see there. But essentially the wind it out is Andy did it. And did the Eagles miss the window? All right. I appreciate the passion there. So my wine and out comes from the Daniel Jones contract. Obviously, many people are up in arms. Many people are good and happy that the conversation and the rumors are finally over. I must say, I'm just happy that I know exactly what's on the table now. Am I 100% thrilled with everything? No, but I am happy that he's back as our quarterback. But my wine and out, though, is certain people like Ryan Clark tweeting out, we live in a world where Daniel Jones's current salary is higher than Lamar Jackson is. And my wine and out is my perfect tweet to him last night, which has almost 2,000 views. Baltimore chose to do this. Don't shit on Daniel Jones because another team's management didn't know how to hang on to their franchise quarterback. So, mic drop there. That's my wine it out. People like that should not be allowed to tweet about certain things in the NFL. Ryan Clark, I thought you were a lot better than that, and I actually like your takes. That was a stupid one. So, that's my wine it out for the episode. 
I honestly think that this was an absolutely great way to kick off Third and Wine. Uh, you guys were absolutely incredible guests to have for the first episode. I learned so much about your respective franchises and how fans are feeling about the Super Bowl and the 2022 season for both the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. So thank you, two of you, for joining me. And I just want to let our fans know and you be on the lookout for the latest NFL news. Obviously, I think the Jets just went over to talk to Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they'll talk to Lamar Jackson soon. So just Stay up to date on Twitter, Instagram, everything like that, because news is pouring out with everything that's going on. There's going to be other signings, other contracts, things going on. So just be on the lookout there. There's going to be a lot more news stemming from the combine last week. So we're going to hear all the rumors, all the crazy things, how big someone's hand is, how short Bryce Young is, things like that. So just be on the lookout for all the news coming out from that. And guess what, guys? The uh, draft is 50 days away. And it's in Kansas City, Chuck. So I don't know if you're yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you going to the draft? Oh, absolutely. Come on oh. now. It's a once in a lifetime moment. All that right. Well, I'll be looking out for you. Please post on your Twitter when you go. I would love to see all of that content. But people were 50 days away. I don't know where time has gone. I was so sad when the Super Bowl ended, but 50 days away from the draft. So a lot to look forward to. Um, I appreciate everyone for hopping in. This is Third and Wine. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and all of your favorite podcast outlets. Rex, Chuck, thank you so much for joining me for this first episode. And I wish everyone a good night. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir.